From the grassroots media team at Weave News, this is Interweaving. Welcome to Episode 7 of Interweaving. I'm John Collins. Today we continue our look at the work of grassroots media organizations. Having featured War News Radio and Project Censored in previous episodes, we now focus on a unique organization doing citizen storytelling in the Gaza Strip. We are not numbers. We begin with a profile created by three St. Lawrence University students. This is a story about Gaza Strip's resilient youth and their quest for peace and justice through reporting for Gaza's only youth-driven independent media organization, We Are Not Numbers. Formed by American Pam Bailey, We Are Not Numbers strives to give a voice to the voiceless and to tell the stories behind the numbers in the news. For Molly Thompson, Jonathan Seymour, and Frank Fiola, This is Journalism in Darkness. In 1947, more than half a century after the Zionist movement began its project of encouraging Jewish emigration to Palestine, Great Britain announced its intention to terminate its mandate over Palestine. The United Nations passed General Assembly Resolution 181, recommending that Palestine be split into two states, one Jewish and one Arab, with the Jewish state being administered by the UN. The resolution called for the dissolution of the British mandate by August 1948, and the institution of the two states would follow two months later. Jewish leaders accepted the partition plan, but Arab leaders rejected the plan as unfair. One day before Great Britain's mandate expired, Israel declared independence. War then broke out and Israel seized control of additional parts of Palestinian-designated areas while pushing out hundreds of thousands of Palestinians who became refugees now living in the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, and in surrounding countries. Fast forward to the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel gained control of the remaining parts of Palestine, the Sinai Peninsula, the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, and the Golan Heights. War broke out again six years later in 1973, but was stopped with the United Nations-supported ceasefire. The late 80s and early 2000s marked the first and second intifadas in which Palestinians living in difficult conditions under Israeli military occupation rose up to protest the ongoing denial of their basic political and human rights. From our reporting, it is clear Palestine's young people want peace and to live a life of dignity without harming others. However, to live a life of comfort in Gaza is difficult. Daily life in the Gaza Strip is hard. Work is difficult to come by, there's only power for a few hours each day, and over one million people are trapped in a city barely twice the size of D.C. Basman Darawi is a writer for We Are Not Numbers who wrote Turning 30 in Gaza, which explains the difficulties of becoming a man in Gaza City. For me, aging is not a big deal. Age is just a number, but... Turning 30 in Gaza, it's not really easy because there's so much expenses and responsibilities on your shoulder as a 30-years-old one. Marriage expenses are very high in Gaza. 
when you look to another 30 years old guy, like for example in America or in other country, you feel like they can achieve much. But in Gaza, 30 is like a 20 with added just 10 years. Comparing youth from Gaza to other countries, it is obvious to say they do not have the same opportunities in their daily lives. From not being allowed to leave Palestine, sporadic internet access, and little opportunities for employment or advancement, Gaza's youth are trapped in a system of oppression. But this is where We Are Not Numbers comes in. The organization focuses on unemployed youth, giving them an opportunity to advance their English skills, tell their stories to the world, and to heal from their past traumas through writing. We Are Not Numbers gives their writers and the young people of Palestine a voice in the media when they are oftentimes left out of the conversation. Pieces published by We Are Not Numbers include poems, investigative reporting, and stories from the writers' personal lives. Under the guidance of a mentor provided by the organization, the writers are free to tell any story they want, although many exert caution. Here's staff writer Ali Abu Sheikh. The main struggle is the censorship, you know? So whenever I want to choose a topic, I talk to my mentor, for example, I talk to other people who have a longer experience than me. The topic is the main struggle because I sometimes don't want to hurt myself, you know, because mm-hmm. um, there's censorship. I mean, Israel wouldn't just uh, turn a blind eye on those who write uh, on a specific topics or something like this. Because, you know, if, if you write some stories, this would affect your opportunity to be able, for example, to get an Israeli permit to travel abroad. So this censorship thing, uh, there are some topics that I really want to talk about, to write about, but to be honest, I don't have the courage. Why? Because of my dreams. So I think of my dreams. I don't want them just to go to waste or to lose them for one piece or for writing something. So the censorship is the hardest thing ever. Being banned by Israel, being um, heard, they would, for example, put me on the blacklist as, for example, I would never ever be able to leave or get an Israeli permit. Being blacklisted by Israel greatly restricts an individual's life. In fact, unless peace between Israel and Palestine is suddenly brokered, those who have been blacklisted will never be able to leave Palestine as Israel issues their visas. Many of We Are Not Numbers writers will seek scholarships to study abroad, and before they do so, they will have to seek a visa from Israel. The fact that Israel controls their visas is a fear-inhibiting factor, and what is possibly worse than the idea of never being able to leave Palestine is the monotony of the day in Gaza. Here's founder and international director, Pam Bailey. People here think of the destruction of war, but that's really not, I mean, that's bad, yeah, but it's the structural violence that's worse. By that, I mean the things that are just built into the system. It's the monotony of the days. I mean, you know, they have very little to do there. They don't have all the variety of entertainment that we do. I mean, it's a small place. It's twice the size of D.C. You know, it's claustrophobic. It's extremely crowded. So imagine, like, living in D.C. and being told you can never leave. And let's say there's take away all the theaters now, you know, most of the fun institutions. And now add on top of that, you only have electricity, say, four hours a day. So most of the time, what entertainment you do have, you're not going to have. Because you won't have Wi-Fi and you won't have light. The effects of the structural oppression facing youth in Gaza manifest in several ways. 
The most prominent of them, according to Bailey, is a lack in confidence in reporting their stories due to the distrust many Palestinians have towards journalists. But it gets to the point where some of the people will say, you know, why bother talking to you? I mean, all these people ask my story, tell them these terrible stories, and then nothing happens. No change happens. So what's the point? You know, it's sort of people get very cynical or they, or they don't trust you. Confidence is an issue the journalists are overcoming, but a more difficult impediment in their writing process is the lack of information. Palestine enforces strict regulations that prohibit certain government officials from talking to the media unless the specific organization has an official press pass. Not only does the difficulty in obtaining information inhibit the reporters in their mission to speak the truth, but another difficulty is expressing those stories in English, as We Are Not Numbers is published in English for a Western audience. With my first pieces, I was uh, struggling a bit with the language, with the language issue, the grammar, and so But after two or three articles, I started to get rid of that problem. Sometimes, like, finding a new subject to talk about, it's maybe the hardest part of the process. There's so many issues we can talk about in Gaza, but at the same time, it's hard to choose one so you can deeply talk about I think this is a hard part for me, the hardest one. In Gaza, the lack of access to material can limit the articles that the journalists produce. They do not have an official press pass, which restricts the organization as to who they can interview. We Are Not Numbers cannot interview government employees or get information from the government. This means that the organization is limited in the articles they can produce because they cannot use quantitative data to support their articles. Darawi gives some insight as to how he collects information for his pieces. For some information, I ask some foreign friends, like American or so. And for some information, I go to Google and collect some information. Some other articles are personal, so I don't need to collect anything. I just go to my cell phone or my laptop and start to write. According to Bailey and Darawi, the organization rarely uses official sources or quantitative data. Rather, they tell stories filled with despair and joy, frustration and glee, and about every emotion in between to show the world what it is like to be a young person growing up in Gaza with dreams larger than what the border fence will allow. Here's an excerpt from one of Darawi's poems, Dear Little Boy. Dear Little Boy, The world isn't good like you expected it to be. You draw your dream on paper, but time erases it. Remember, remember when you were a child jumping in your bed, when you were in a school, playing with your friends, when you ran to the window, reaching your hand out to feel the rain. Poems such as Darawi's that encapsulate the sorrow of being confined in an oppressive state are why We Are Not Numbers has gained a larger audience over the past year. An audience so large, in fact, that We Are Not Numbers cannot keep up with their expenses. Currently, their only source of revenue is a crowdfunding campaign during the holy month of Ramadan. But moving forward, Bailey hopes to change that, not only because they need to maintain the basic functions of the organization, but because the lack of payment for their writers enables a sort of elitism within the organization. I'm actually very aware of the fact that the, 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 most of the writers in We Are Not Numbers are a little bit of an elite group. Right now, we're for developing English writers. And just by knowing English, 
That means your families have been able to afford for you to take the lessons you need to to know English pretty well. The really poor people in Gaza don't usually have that opportunity. To combat this problem, Bailey is working on finding a translator to translate their work into Arabic, as well as conducting an annual poll of youth in Gaza. Currently, there is a poll out of Ramallah that surveys Palestinians each year, but Bailey wants to conduct one just for youth, as they make up a staggering 60% of Palestine's population. Bailey believes that showcasing the opinions and thoughts of young Palestinians will increase what she claims is historically low civic engagement. Next generation. And they've been totally turned off. There's not much hope for change in terms of politics, et cetera, because the youth have been so turned off, even by their own leadership, that they're totally apathetic when it comes to politics. Civic engagement is just like, uh, why? So it's really, really important that we develop a way that we can reflect their point of view and get it out and hopefully give them the feeling like they can have a voice. Part of combating this lack of engagement begins with writing for We Are Not Numbers. Bailey says that something as simple as writing a piece for them is a form of patriotism within itself. Instead of a foreign reporter telling the story of Palestinians and having to adhere to the regulations of their own organization and what is actually published, Bailey believes the writers of We Are Not Numbers should be proud of the fact that they can publish their truths and that they are the only media agency in Gaza by Palestinians and for Palestinians. In the near future, We Are Not Numbers will be releasing a multitude of content in varying media forms. From the new poll, the upcoming book that will feature pictures of Palestinians along with their stories, and perhaps the upcoming feature Bailey is most excited about. We have the website being redesigned right now, um, and it's going to include two really cool things in the new version of the website. One is an interactive map of Gaza for shooting videos. So like you'll be able to click on different parts of Gaza and you'll be taken into it through a video that's sort of like you're now taking a tour of that site. We want more people to sort of feel like if you can't be there, let us see if we can take you on tours at different parts. The future for We Are Not Numbers is bright, but the future of Palestine is not as certain. Ali Abu Sheikh says the future for Palestine, for him at least, is unknown. But what he wants more than anything is peace. I want peace. I want to live side by side with them without hurting each other. And we deserve a decent life, a decent equal life. I guess this is the thing that I want the whole world to know. That yeah, we want to live, I would say, without hurting anyone. This podcast was written, edited, and produced by Molly Thompson, Frank Fayola, and Jonathan Seedmore. A special thank you goes to Pam Bailey, Basman Drawe, and Ali Abushik, who are featured in this podcast. If you would like to learn more about We Are Not Numbers or to make a donation, go to www.wearenotnumbers.org. You're listening to Interweaving, a podcast of conversation and context from Weave News. Since 2007, Weave News has been investigating underreported stories, highlighting alternative perspectives, and promoting grassroots media making and critical media literacy. If you're interested in joining us as a content contributor, visit weavenews.org submissions. Now, back to more Interweaving.
This is the sound of an Israeli drone flying over the Gaza Strip. The buzzing of the drones literally hovers over the people of Gaza as they're confined, surveilled, and subjected to periods of heavy Israeli bombardment. What must it be like to live your daily life under such conditions? We now turn once again to Ali Abu Sheikh, a writer for We Are Not Numbers who was featured in the student report we just heard. On May 5th, amidst a wave of Israeli airstrikes during the early days of the holy month of Ramadan, Abu Sheikh hosted a Facebook Live broadcast in order to give the public an inside view of how ordinary Gazans were coping. In the long term, wherever you talk about the unrest in Gaza, you have to know that we have been living under lock and key, the Israeli and Egyptian blockade, for almost 12 years. There is a shortage of life, a shortage of fresh water, a shortage of electricity, of medicine, of good quality food and goods, and even a real shortage of jobs that pay sustainable salaries because the rates of unemployment is very high in the Gaza Strip. But in the shorter term, we have been peacefully protesting at the borders of our prison for more than, of our prison, for 85 weeks. And so far, 281 got killed and more than 18,000 got injured while peacefully protesting at the Great Return March. Most of the news media, whenever you see the headlines, it always starts with 200 Palestinian rockets fired into Israel and Israel responded. They always make sure to mention the number of Palestinian rockets, but they never mention the number of the Israeli missiles dropped or, or that were bombed in the Gaza Strip. They know how to manipulate their audiences very well. They know how to hide the truth. in the Gaza Strip, we have been hearing intense and immense bombs day and night, especially the latest night was one of the most terrible nights ever since the 2014 war because they started bombing civilian buildings, seven-story buildings, six-story buildings. This means that we are living in a disaster right now because more people are getting homeless in the Gaza Strip. Even today, after we had lunch, I was washing the dishes and I was listening to the news and at the same time hearing bombs. This literally reminded me of those horrible days during the 2014 war. Everything seems um, very similar. And right now I just heard missiles from warships, from Israeli warships. And this is another thing I have to highlight, that if we only have rockets, the Israelis have warplanes, they have warships, they have tanks, they have different ways to bomb us and scare us day and night. 
because the sound of bombs is very intense you feel it in your bones and once you keep hearing it for a few hours you start to feel dizzy and have a headache you can't focus on anything at all the news pieces that i read they don't tell the readers the comparison between the palestinian rockets and the israeli bombs or rockets once they bomb a building they just level it to the ground in a few seconds We are still occupied by Israel. We still need to deal with this. We can't forget it in any way. So sometimes during Ramadan or Eid, we get very excited. Uh, we want to fast. We want to meet our families, our friends. We want to have fun. We want to hang out or something. But whenever there are bombs, of course, we can do all of this. We just keep listening to the news all the time, making sure that we are safe. That's all we do. So it's sad now that we can't even feel, you know, this special, indescribable feeling of Ramadan, this spiritual feeling. We can't feel it because we are simply confused, numb, scared, whatever. I can't even explain my feelings right now. So I run an essay feeling numb while waiting for war. But to be honest right now, I don't feel numb, not anymore. I just feel confused. I would say I feel sad, scared. I'm not even sure how we would deal with tomorrow or something. I've just heard a bomb, which is kind of far. Ramadan Karim, everyone. May this holy month bring peace to this land. Because we all, all the humans, deserve to live in peace. Thank you to everyone who appeared in this episode, especially to Frank Fiola, Jonathan Seymour, and Molly Thompson, part of the first year seminar on grassroots media for the next generation at St. Lawrence University. As always, you can find more information about the materials and organizations mentioned on our program by visiting our podcast page at weavenews.org interweaving. But don't go away. At the end of this episode, we have an audio extra a performance by Jihad Shahada, a young Palestinian in Gaza who won the recent Gaza Vision Song Contest organized by We Are Not Numbers. Gaza Vision was created as a response to the 2019 Eurovision Song Contest, which was held in Tel Aviv despite heavy criticism of Israel's ongoing violation of Palestinian human rights. For all of us here at Weave News, I'm John Collins.
Interweaving is a production of Weave News, weaving the world together, one underreported story at a time. Our engineer is Terry Dubray, and our theme music is provided by Bee Children. For more exciting grassroots media content, find us online at weavenews.org or on social media at Weave News. There you can find out how you can support or join us in our work. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another episode of Interweaving. Oh.